0: Well, we're glad you're here. This is what we do. We give generously. We add things to, to it all. God multiplies abundantly. Faith grows, and God is honored. In week one, of course, we dealt with uh, that we are generous with our time. Last week, Pastor Blake showed us how to be generous with our talents. And today, I get to talk about how we are generous with our treasures, our treasures. Um, a story is told, I read this story, I want to bring it to you, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, FDR, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was accustomed to greeting so many people in the White House that he, he kind of got numb to it all and he thought everybody else was kind of getting numb to it all as well. And At one particular reception, he decided to see if anybody was really listening. So as people were going through the receiving line, they would come through and shake his hand and say, oh, it's so nice to meet you, and he would say... I murdered my grandmother today, and would go on and shake their hands. And, you know, they would greet, and they didn't really pay attention. They said, well, you're doing a great job. It's really great to meet you. And he says, I murdered my grandmother today. And he went on through, and, and it went this way until the ambassador of uh, Bolivia came through, and, and uh, FDR said, I murdered my grandmother today, and the, and the ambassador to uh, Olivia leaned forward and said, well, I'm sure she had it coming. (laughs) He was the only one who who was listening. So I hope today you don't tune me out because we are talking about our treasures. And sometimes when we talk about our treasures, you tend to tune out the pastor in this. So I hope that you you won't tune me out today. Um, Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I want to... Uh, say a prayer over this and ask God's blessings. Lord, we, we just thank you for the privilege that you've given us today to uh, be here. You've allowed us to stand on our feet and walk and go and come and, and uh, thank you for the privilege of this. And I ask you today, God, that you would help us to, to hear what you want us to hear. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to say what you want me to say, help me to be useful today. Uh, so God, we commit it to you today and when we walk out of this place, I, I, I pray that we'd be able to look back and say, "Hey, it was good to be in that house of prayer today. So thank you, God. We, we appreciate it and we believe it. Amen. Amen. Would you look at somebody beside you and say, "I am so oh blessed. Would you do that? I am so blessed. Okay, now go the other direction and say, I'm going to listen to what the Holy Spirit says to me today. Okay, good deal. So we're looking at at treasure. What what is treasure? It's, of course, found in a box. We know that, right? All treasure is found in a box with a big rounded lid, right? Well, no, treasure can be money. Treasure can be time. It can be a, a lot of things. But first of all, what I want you to understand is that everybody has treasure. Everybody has treasure. When Jesus was speaking to the people during the Sermon on the Mount, he said, "'Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal.'" For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's Matthew chapter 6. Um, he was teaching this to a bunch of people who had nothing, it seemed like in our, in our day. Many of the people that he, w- he was talking to were extremely poor and literally living hand to mouth. Some of us feel like we live from hand to mouth. But uh, if you remember, I had told you a couple of weeks ago just how rich we are. If you own a car... If you have access or own a car, you're in the, in, in the top 6 to 9% of the wealthiest people on, on the earth. If you make uh, $50,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. So sometimes we think we live hand to mouth, but Jesus was actually teaching to people who did live hand to mouth. Our treasure is what holds our affections and grabs our attention. Our treasures could be material wealth. It could be objects that you could put in a safe or it could become something more intangible, something more abstract. Uh, For instance, in the Old Testament, when Jericho was conquered by Israel, there was a man by the name of Achan, A-C-H-A-N. God had told the the leaders when they plundered uh, Jericho not to take anything for themselves. They they were to give it to the Lord's treasury for for the temple. And yet there was this guy, Achan, who who took things for himself, gold and, and, and clothing. And uh, he, because of his disobedience, because he, he, he valued those things more than he valued obedience, he lost everything, and I, and I mean everything. And then there was Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. It, that's in Acts chapter 5. I don't know if you remember that or not, but the early church was just getting started, and they were collecting money for the church to, to, to do ministry, and so a lot of the church people were selling land and, and and property, and they were bringing it in and sharing it with the rest of the church. And Ananias and Sapphira had a piece of land, and they sold the piece of land as well. But when they came in, they said, we gave this much for it, and here it is, when actually they had, they had received much more for it than what they said. And they lied to Peter, and they lied to the Holy Ghost when they did that. See, they valued more What people thought of them, than they did what God said for them to do. But you see, Jesus is not against us having money or possessions. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, some people live in poverty on purpose and others live in poverty by accident, right? Uh, monks do this, and they interpret Jesus' words to mean that they shouldn't own anything, but that's not true. I I don't believe that's right. Jesus is not saying that we should not own anything or or that we should not enjoy what he has supplied, but what he is saying is don't put value on things, treasures, more than what you should, right? Saving and preparing for the future, that's a biblical concept. Did you know that? It says, you know, and if you don't take care of your own family, you're, the Bible says he's worse than an infidel, right? So saving, preparing, counting the cost before you build a house—all of that is it's biblical stuff. But uh, in a letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul says, "Not taking care of things." that we should take care of, like our family, is wrong. So working and saving, uh, improving our life is, is okay. And I need you to understand that. When Jesus said laying up treasures, don't be laying up treasures on earth, he's not opposed to money or opposed to making money. You see, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil, right? It says the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Something to remember, Everything that you can touch or see or feel will one day be gone. It will will be gone. It will either rot or rust or be burned up or whatever. It will be gone. So what we have to do is make sure that we place the the right things in our focus, and that is God's kingdom and other people. We've got to love God, and we've got to love people. All right? Um, I want to preface what I'm about to teach uh, by saying this. I've I've been in, in... teaching sessions before in churches before where I felt really bad when the pastor or the the teacher was was teaching about tithing and giving and that sort of thing. I felt guilty. Maybe I wasn't doing what everybody else was doing. Maybe I wasn't supporting like everybody else. I'm going to be teaching about tithing and giving today, but I want you to understand this is not something that you should uh, let... Your pastor guilt you about this. This is not about that whatsoever. And and for those of you who are just visiting with us today for the first time, congratulations. <laughs> you 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 came in on a very very interesting special day. Uh, but people say when when they come around the church and and they and they see what goes on and they see all the production and all the ministry that goes out and. how how we send people to Guatemala, and how do do we support all that? And then they start asking, well, how do I fit into this? Am am I supposed to tithe? And by the way, what is tithe? You know, don't really know what that is. So I want to teach on the subject today. Generosity is money, and why would we even want to go there? There's there's a couple real quick reasons why I, I want to do this, and I really am eager to do this today. I haven't always been eager to talk about money and finances, but I really am today. First of all, money is a big deal. I spend every day working for the man. We're <laughs> working for the money. For, I should say the woman, in my, <laughs> case, in my case. Working for the, mo- the woman. Um, other, other than kingdom principles, you know what Jesus taught about mostly? Money and possessions. So it's a big deal. Secondly, most of us struggle with finances. Most of us struggle with money. We get ourselves in debt. We don't know why we're in debt. We, we have our priorities misaligned. And, uh, but, and, and the other thing in this is God doesn't need our money. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need anything from us like that, but He wants us to enjoy what he, His plan, his, his system, you know? So uh, he, he doesn't want something from us, He wants something for us. So be thinking about that. Uh, So how does it it work? Um, What is tithing? The word tithe comes from a a Hebrew word, which means one-tenth, one-tenth. A tithe is one-tenth of something, okay? To tithe an income means to give a tenth of your income, not something or anything, but a tenth. Uh, you know if if you're say well I'm going to be a, a tithe person that's what I do and you make $100,000 in a year that means you are going to tithe $10,000 of that 100,000 if it's 25,000 wait that's getting too complicated I don't know that I can do that 2500 um uh, so that's that's what the the, the tithe actually means Tithing I, I want to talk about it in terms of Old Testament and New Testament because that's very interesting tithing is first mentioned in the book of Genesis chapter 14 and it and it came out of nowhere it seems like uh, Abraham was coming home from a battle from a war His fighters, his people, his men, his workers had been victorious and they were coming back with the spoils of war they had more goats and sheep and gold and clothing and all this stuff they you know, soldiers, uh, sheep, everything. And on the way back, they encounter a guy by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. We, we don't see him very much in the Bible, but we see him in Genesis 14. And he says that he is a priest to the God Most High. And he's there to bless Abram or Abraham, and he's there to bless the God Most High. And he actually says, blessed be Abram by God Most High Creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most High who delivered your enemies into your hand. And that was the blessing that he spoke over, over Abraham. And Abraham responded by giving a tenth of everything he had. Now why did he do this? I don't know that I would have done that myself. I mean, out of nowhere, why a tenth? Why not a, a 20th? Why not why not half? Why not just take the whole thing? But he did, he said, I'm going to give a tenth. He did it as an act of respect for God most high. As far as I can tell, nobody required it. Nobody nobody suggested it. It was a voluntary action that Abraham uh, made when he realized that it was God who had given him the victory. And he responded in generosity. Okay. Uh, In essence, he was saying, by giving this tenth, I'm confessing that the victory came through God alone. And this happened even before the law of Moses was put into place. So let's, let's go a little bit further. Genesis 14 was 400 years before the law was given through Moses for the people of Israel. And, and as you know, uh, the law came through Moses. It was for the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. And uh, they lived under that. And even today, they, they still try to live under that. So we're going to go a little bit further to Leviticus 27 now. Where the scripture says, a tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the tree belongs to the Lord, it is holy to the Lord. This was the commandment. It was a command from God to the nation of Israel for for his people to live in this way. He commanded a tenth of everything. It was the way he provided for the priest. It was the way he provided for the tabernacle. It was the way he provided for the, the temple, the temple workers. That was his system, and it was law. That was, that was the command. Now we're going to go 40 years later when the children of Israel now are getting to re- ready to go over into their promised land. And I, I hope I'm not boring you with this. I hope it's, you're following it with me. Deuteronomy 14, Moses was getting ready to die, and also the nation of Israel was getting ready to cross over into their pro- promised land. And before he dies, he gives one final message. And in that message, this is what he says. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine, and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that, and this is the, this is the part that's really important, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. That last phrase is what it's all about. The Living Bible puts it this way, so that you may learn always to put God first in your life. You see, the Old Testament tithe, the the tithing of of the Old Testament had a real purpose, to teach God's people to put him first. I'm going to ask you a question. Nobody needs to answer it, but I can promise you this. The answer is the same for everybody in here. And the question is, when you get your paycheck, what check do you write first? And the answer to that is the most important one, okay? The, what we do first with our money tells what is most important in our life. What is most important? T- today, I, I, I want us to understand that God is not wanting just our time, just our talent, just our testimony, ju- just our money. He wants us to put Him first in our life. Life period. Now, in Malachi 3, um, we, we go to another part. It's at the end of the Old Testament. It's, another, it's a thousand years after all this stuff got started. And now you're going to hear God speaking to his disobedient people of Israel. And this is what he says. This is God speaking to us. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that you will not be able to contain it. That is the only place in the entire Bible where God says, test me try me. See if, see if I won't do something. So I want you to notice, God disciplined his own people because they did not put him first. Okay, He told them to put him first, but they didn't, and he, and he disciplined them. God challenged the doubters who said, no, it can't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And he challenged them. He said, put me first, and I will prove myself to you. And then thirdly, God revealed another purpose for tithing in that scripture, that God's house might be fully supplied. God wanted his work, his house to thrive, and tithing was his method, his method. So what, what an amazing principle. Tithing in the Old Testament demonstrated that God is the source of all blessing. Tithing in the Old Testament allowed God's people to put him first. Tithing in the Old Testament ensured that God's work would be supported. Now that's from the Old Testament, right? Well, obviously, we don't live by the Old Testament anymore, right? That's, that's the law, and we live in New Testament days, and what does that mean for us, and how are we to, how are we to give? Is everybody okay so far? Okay? Is, I, I, this is a great teaching time, and I want you to get it as that. And again, I, I want you to know, this is not about really... You, you giving the church, getting the, all of this—it's it's, it's deep, way deeper than that. So, so listen. Uh, tithing is mentioned only briefly in the New Testament. There's only two scriptures that, and and one is in Matthew 23, and one's in Luke 11, where Jesus was talking to the the Pharisee people. You know who the Pharisees were? They were the one. They were the religious. They were the church people of that day. They crossed their T's and dotted their I's. They wore church clothes. They spoke church language. You know what I mean by that, right? Yeah, we, we do that sometimes too. But, but he was, he, Jesus was really blasting them. And he said, look, you guys are so particular about some things. He says, you will tithe down to the little tiny nth degree of spices and, and things. He said, but you forget about justice and mercy and faith and love. And then he went on to explain, he says, now the tithing thing you should indeed do, that's that's what you should do, but don't forget about these deeper things. So here, uh, there's a scripture there also that is really, really important in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 from Paul. And this is kind of where we live today, all right? Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So here here goes. This is really good stuff. The New Testament teaches us that giving is to be regular on the first day of the week. What is the first day of the week, by the way? Anybody know? Sunday. Isn't that interesting? Giving is to be personal, each one of you. And then giving is to be proportional. Set aside in keeping with your income. So what does that mean to us? What is proportional giving? If we we don't live under the law and tithing is a, a law thing, what is proportional giving in the New Testament? What does that mean? The more God blesses, the more you give. If, if you have little financial blessing, little material blessing, then you're able to only give a small gift. But the more you are blessed, the bigger your giving can be. In the New Testament, 10% is not the issue. Okay? If, if you're one of those who religiously says, here's my 10% to the penny, I want you to understand, I love that. That's wonderful. But 10% is, is not the issue. Christians who are greatly blessed probably ought to give more than 10%. Oh, that went over well, didn't it? <laughs> I, read a, I read a good quote. I want to bring it to you. I think this is a cool quote. For some rich Christians in America, because we are so blessed, stinking blessed, tithing is an excuse not to be generous. Isn't that interesting? For some rich Christians, Christians in America, tithing is an excuse not to give generously. And though tithing is not a commandment in the New Testament, tithing is the model for New Testament believers for regular and systematic giving. In the Old Testament, tithing was commanded for the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, that command becomes our model. In the Old Testament, it was a flat 10%. In the New Testament, we have unlimited proportional giving. See, that's between you and God. Well, how has God blessed you? Are you going to give what God has, has, has blessed you with, or are you going to, going to hoard it? Well, what about the blessings in Malachi 3? That's Old Testament, right? We're still living under that. Consider Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 9 and when he said this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I had a pastor once who said, God loves a cheerful giver, but we also like it when the grumps give. And then Paul said in, in further, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the one who gives cheerfully. And here's the rest of it. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, And plenty left over to share with others. And it goes on down. It says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The, needy, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. When you deal with giving and tithing around churches, it's easy to, to go off the tracks. It really is. It's easy to go to an extreme. Some would say, well, I give my 10%, I'm done. And it's a legalistic approach. To that. I, I think it needs to be more personal than than that, like in the Old Testament. So and then some say, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give regularly. I can't afford to give personally or proportionally, honestly. Knowing how God has blessed me, I can't afford not to. I I can't. And you know, I, I really believe everybody would like to be a better giver, not just to church, but to our poor neighbors, to our society. I think everybody would, but we feel like we can't. We're so tied up. We're so bundled up. Does that, you understand that, right? We, we have locked ourselves down by getting a mortgage that is maybe a little bigger than we should have. We've locked ourselves by getting car payments, maybe not just one, maybe two, maybe three. We've locked ourselves by committing ourselves to Comcast and who knows what else. And we get ourselves in a bind that we cannot be givers because we can't afford it. And I think that God would have us understand that he wants us to give from a heart of love and generosity. Um, I understand the plight that some of us find ourselves in. But we need to start somewhere. We need to start somewhere. Uh, Anita and I, we were trained as children that when, and my parents did the, this is the tithing, this is, this is God's tithing, and anything we want to give beyond the 10%, those are the offerings. And so we're going to make sure that we touch our tithing base, and then we're also going to give whenever God speaks to our heart to give. So they taught me that when I go out and mow a lawn for $3, <laughs> that's what I mowed lawns for when I was 10, that 30 cents of that goes into the storehouse to the church. And they taught that to me from the time I was so little. And so we taught our children the same thing. And when, when we got married, and you and I got married, from the very beginning, we began to tithe and to give as God would help us to give. But the tithing, that wasn't even ours to consider. That was God's. And I'll, I just have to say this as a testimony. Man, that has worked out so beautifully. We don't even miss it. That first percentage that we say, this is just God's, I do with it, church, what you need to do with it, we don't miss it one bit. And then to be able to, to bless by giving, it's just, it just makes me feel good. And to know that God has blessed me and that I can bless others. I, I understand this, um, but we have to start somewhere, um, two things I'd like to ask you to do as, as we're getting ready to move, move on through this. I'm, I'm not going to keep you much longer with this. It, it can be painful, I know. Um, but I'd like you to research the Bible. Don't take my word for it today. Okay? If, it, if it's real, it's real. If it's not real, I'll go do something else and, 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 and do something, you know, find something else that's real. But I want you to research the Bible and see if what I've told you is true. And, and if you find that it's true, then I need you and would like to ask you to ask God, God, is this what you want for me and my family? And if the answer is yes, then I would ask you to take a step, to take a step and test God in this area. Now, you know, some people say, well, I haven't been tithing. I, you know, I would like to give more, but man, right now that'd be, that'd be such a big deal. Well, why don't you start out small? Nobody, nobody says you have to just boom change everything up and there it goes. Why don't you start out small? Say okay, I'm going to do two percent, and and allow God to to see your heart that you want to have a generous heart, and and now that two percent or one percent, I don't I don't care whatever. Then at the beginning of every pay period and you get your paycheck, say, God, I'm going to give this 1% or 2%. This is yours. And, Lord, I know it's maybe not everything you want from me, and I know that you're going to bless more, but, God, I'm going to set this aside on the first day of the week, and this is going to be yours. Start at 1% or 2%. Test God and see if he won't open up the storehouse of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour out blessings that you cannot contain. Test God. And then you might say, well, oh, this 2% has worked pretty well. Let's go up to 4%. Let's go up to 20%. Let's go up to 30%. God, listen. Lord, I want to give half of everything I've got to you in some way. Do you know I know people who live on 10% and give away 90%? And you know why? Because it's a huge amount of money. They have tested God, and God has been faithful so I, I just want to ask us to do that. Get in the Word. See if the Word is true and what I've, I've taught you. And then test God and see what He will do for you. So would you bow your heads and let me pray over you? Lord, I thank You for the privilege that You've given me to bring Scripture out to our people to show us, God, what Your Word has to say. I thank You, Lord, that uh, you have provided for us in such beautiful ways, and that when we give back to you a portion of what you have blessed us with, we are blessed again in so many ways. Lord, I, I you know my heart, God, and I was a little bit concerned that people would hear this message and, and, and draw back because maybe they felt like I was trying to make them feel bad or condemn them. Lord, and you know that is not the case at, at all. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts today. We know that You want us, when we give, whatever we give, however we give, you want us to do it generously and cheerfully. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would take this uh, congregation, this group of people, and allow your Holy Spirit to be upon them as they walk through this next season of generosity in their lives. Lord, we want to test you. And see if you won't open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that we cannot contain. Lord, I know that as long as you can get it through me to others, you can get it through me to a world that's hurting, you can get it through me to the poor, you can get it through me that you'll get it to me. And so, Lord, I commit myself to you. I commit it all to you. The 10%, Lord, that I said is yours, no. 90% is yours too. Oh, a hundred percent is yours. And so I commit it all to you today in Jesus' name, amen.